Hello and welcome to this episode of Joy's World, the podcast. Um, obviously, I'm Joy, and I have a very, very special guest. I've been on her podcast. Now she's coming on mine. Um, people call her Lala, but I call her La La La. <laughs> I think everyone needs to start doing that now. I think so. I think it's better. I'm going to demand I mean? it. When you walk into your room, it's la la la. Yeah, and if that if that, if I don't get that, I'm going to just walk straight back out. One hundred percent, do it, la la. Tell everybody who you are and what you do. Um, obviously, I know, but tell my listeners. Right. Well, I run an Instagram page uh, where I give advice about sex, dating, relationships, particularly like avoiding abusive relationships or not even necessarily abusive, just ones that don't serve you well, basically. Uh, I'm a qualified social worker. I used to teach uh, sex and relationships education uh, in schools and youth settings. And I'm also an author. I've got a book coming out in February. Yes, and we're going to get into that into the book a bit later, so you can tell us more about that. Looking forward to it. Um, I always ask everyone that comes onto my podcast how they are feeling because I feel like it's really important to check in with people and just find out what your actual mood is today. So I don't want I'm fine unless you actually are fine. If you're feeling happy, if you're feeling sad, if you're feeling a bit shitty, like just let me know how are you feeling today. I'm actually feeling really good today. I've started listening to this book on Audible, uh, which I, um, I I wasn't, I, I couldn't read for, for ages. I just felt like I didn't have that time to sit down and read books. And now I'm storming through a load of books because I'm just listening to them on Audible when I'm driving or cleaning or whatever. Uh, and the one I'm listening to at the moment is making me feel really happy. It's called You Are a Bad Badass Making Money by Jen sincero and it's a lot of like law of attraction stuff and just all about controlling your own mindset and I've been always somebody who's had very limiting beliefs about money I didn't grow up with money so I've always you know had that mentality like money's the root of all evil or like Mm -hmm. looked negatively at rich people and um always talk about how broke I am like avoid opening bills because they just upset me you know I've always been in that headspace and I think that I have probably blocked myself from a a lot of money-making opportunities because I feel like I don't deserve it or I feel guilty around it. I've just always had like issues with money Uh, and I'm reading this and it's just making me feel more positive. So basically I'm a billionaire and (laughs) it just hasn't landed in my bank account yet, but I am. Mm -hmm. And the the knowledge of that is making me really happy. Yeah, soon come, soon come. Soon come, yeah. Income. No doubt. Maybe not billionaire, but definitely multi-millionaire. Enough to, oh, enough yeah. to really make an impact. Do you know what? It's like I keep talking about this with my friends. Um, that one of my like one of my biggest goals in life is I really want to buy a house one day. Um, I don't know if that it's gonna happen. No, no, it's got to oh, it's, yeah, yeah. No, no, it's going you, to happen. And like, visualize it. House, I'm just gonna be so happy. Like I I I've created the rooms and everything. There's gonna yeah. be a sex room. 
<laughs> need it everyone needs that but visualize it act as if you own it and live every and this is what this book is teaching me is like instead of oh I really wish I could have a house no no the house is there I you know if I put out to the universe then the universe has to respond to me by giving me what I've already imagined that I've got which I know is airy fairy like I, I am listening to, to parts of it and thinking you know obviously in my career as a social worker and just a human being who lives life you know there are people who are in extremely dire circumstances you can't just say to somebody living in, in a in a gutter in a shanty town somewhere oh just believe it and you'll achieve it you know mm. it is a little bit ridiculous to to think that but but i also think that you know there are elements of it that actually changing your mindset not necessarily if you're living in extreme poverty somewhere, but but for people like us who are who are not, um, I, I think it can it can really work. And even if it doesn't magically work to make you richer, it can just make you feel more more positive and more in control. Hundred percent. And I love to treat like the flat that I'm living in now. I just treat it as if it was my my house house. I mean, I love my flat now to be honest. And I just I think we got to appreciate what we have as well. I feel like yeah. that's really important because yes, we want to get you know more things in life. But if we appreciate the things we've got now, I feel like that will make it easier an easier yeah. journey. Um, you spoke a little bit there about growing up and not having a lot of money um that brings me on nicely to my next question which is kind of where did this all start so how did you get into um social work in the first place um you know it was just something that I really I, I kind of got led to it in a way so it was just one of those things really like I so I started off doing um uh, a counselling course I was doing a counselling diploma at uh, college and there was um, a guy who was like a bit of a mentor there for me and he was uh, putting up posters about the NHS looking for sexual health and relationships educators which fitted in with the counselling course that I was doing um, and I got on I, I got that job with the NHS and they trained us up fully and I was uh, teaching in all these different youth settings from prisons to colleges youth clubs schools um, and I really enjoyed that work uh, and we used to do four sessions on like self-esteem and relationships contraception sexually transmitted infections um, and it really opened up great conversations with a lot of the young people. But what was also happening was that at the end of the sessions, a lot of the young people were disclosing abuse, um, you know, because we were talking about sex and consent and all of those kind of things. And often young people would come up to us at the end and, and be like, I, I need, you know, this person or my dad or a family member's done this. Uh, and then we'd end up making referrals to social services. Um, and I always felt like I wanted to do more. Like I didn't want to just make the referral to social ser services and then never know what was happening again, never see the child again. I wanted to be involved in, in taking it all the way and getting justice for that child and, and, and making things better. So the only way that I could do that was by qualifying as a social worker. Uh, so, so I did that. I did, I did the course and, and the journey started there. And, um, just going on from that. So obviously, like, as you said, like you would hear from young people, their experiences and things like that. Um, and only if you're comfortable to speak about this, there might be none, but has any of their situations resonated with you? Like, have you had any like bad relationships or anything like that, that makes you, uh, 
I don't know, like more qualified, I guess, to to speak on these things from that personal experience. If that does that make sense? Well, I think that that's why uh, the information and advice that I'm giving out on my page has been so effective because I can draw from both personal and professional experience and actually I think that's kind of what limited me a bit as a social worker is that you can't talk about your personal stuff you can't bring that into situations with with clients you've got to keep it very professional although you can kind of allude to some things and show people that you understand you can't sit there and go I've been through this I get it you know you you just can't do that Uh, and and so I can do that on this page and I think that it makes the message a little bit more digestible for people because they're like, she's not just preaching at me from, from a textbook. She's, she's lived it. Um, Although, you know, social workers, even if they haven't lived it, generally aren't just preaching from textbooks. You know, the more experienced they are, they will have seen patterns and the same relationships over and over again. So generally social workers are pretty good whether they've been through it or not, but it does enhance your ability to, to really get the people that you're working with if you've been through it and of course I'm a woman I've been through I've, you know who dates men um so so yes yeah, so I've, I've definitely had some negative relationship experiences which which really helped me to to understand what other people are going through and when you're doing like your Instagram lives and your posts and things like that and people um message you their dilemmas don't they and then you answer them on the live and I was watching your live last night and some of the topics sometimes can get really heavy and like you know just really like emotional even Mm. um how do you kind of deal with that so how do you switch off so after you've done your Instagram live and you've you know try to give people advice and things like that whether they take that advice or not you you know you're not gonna know but how do you then switch off how do you kind of I don't know go go to your happy place before you you know you go off to bed because a lot of that stuff can weigh heavy on your mind I mean I'm well well seasoned at this now I think you learn pretty quickly when I was a student social worker I used to get heavily emotionally invested in all of my cases I would not be able to sleep at night thinking what's going on with that child you know or Mm. that adult or whatever you know um I, I would really take it home with me uh and then I realized that it's not about it's not about losing empathy for people, but you can't function as a professional if you are taking on the emotions of all of your clients and and, and not being able to sort of create a barrier there, like shut it all off, shut the door. Um, so I had, I had a great supervisor when I was on my first placement, I think it was. Uh, and they taught me this kind of method about putting things in a box. So if you're lying in bed at night and, you know, the the image of a baby with these injuries or whatever keeps coming into your mind you visualize like uh, a box and you visualize yourself folding up that image and putting it into a box and then you lock that box and you see yourself turning the key and then you put that that box inside a safe and then you press you visualize yourself pressing all the numbers on that safe and then you put that safe inside a big massive metal cupboard and then you shut a big door like a big heavy locked padlock door and then every time that that image of the injured baby comes into your head you actually just picture the door because you know that's locked you can't do anything about it now there's nothing I can do from my bed in the middle of the night about about this situation so so worrying about it is not helping me and then I can unlock that door in the morning when I when I have the capacity and and it's my turn and it's my job now to to, to be rethinking about it again um 
but I think over time when, when you're in that job you just have to learn you just have to let you just have to learn these techniques so I don't necessarily even have to, to use the box technique anymore because you know and, and again this is not downplaying what other people have been through and of course you feel empathy and you feel sad I feel sadness sometimes when I hear people's stories but that doesn't become my overriding thing um I I I, I don't hang on hang on to those sad feelings and also I take comfort in the positivity of the fact that at this point they're now reaching out if they've come to me whether I'm at so in my social worker capacity or on my page the fact that you've come to me is really positive the fact that you're now asking how do I leave this man or was this rape or is this abuse you're asking so we're in a great place now you're not in the dark depths of still in the midst of not knowing that there is a door and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel you're now taking steps so I focus on that positive side of things like okay we're moving now that you're, you're going to come out of this eventually. And this is, this is going to be the catalyst, you know? Yeah. And, and I guess the fact that you know about it means that, you know, it's going to go, it's going somewhere. That's the whole point is to kind of work on making that situation better, which is understandable. So um, again, as part of your Instagram lives, you get a lot of like relationship dilemmas. What would you say is like one of the most common uh, issues or dilemmas that you get from people um, in relationships would you say is there like a reoccurring thing oh, there's loads loads of reoccurring themes um, I'd say from the kind of single perspective reoccurring theme I get is like why do I keep going on dates or meeting people from apps and they only want to put me in the like sex zone straight away why do I keep ending up in situationships with men why do I keep getting ghosted you know there is a reoccurring theme of like why do men keep treating me like I'm not good enough why don't any of them want a relationship with me Mm -hmm. um from people in relationships reoccurring themes are often is this domestic abuse like my partner keeps giving me the silent treatment when he's angry or my partner did this you know threatened to kill himself or whatever um uh so that 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 comes up quite a lot it, it like scenarios and on asking whether these things are abusive lots of stuff about um cheating and getting over cheating and whether people should forgive or whether something really is a red flag for cheating mm-hmm. um but actually it's quite good because the topics can be fairly varied as well I get some totally wild ones too which which mm-hmm. I always enjoy we like wild today sometimes you, too wild sometimes they're too wild sometimes a bit a bit not too there's no such thing as too wild is there but yeah sometimes they are f- fucking off the wall <laughs> yeah um what is your relationship status oh I'm single 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 I do have somebody that I've been seeing for a few years but not somebody that I would like to have a relationship with yeah same same and I'm trying to fuck mine off to be honest now it's getting on my nerves why trying and not just doing it because I'm I feel like I need to fill the hole before I get rid of that one why you can't be single I don't want it's not that I can't I just don't really want to be I mean I'm single but I mean I don't want to be like I want options yeah but can't you what, what's stopping you from having like a period of nobody on your line in between because you know what like the law of attraction would say that you're not going to meet the right new one until you've got rid of the old one because the universe is still you're still centering everything around 
this old one. So there's no room. So who you are going to attract in the meantime, while he's still around, is going to be, it's not going to be adequate in terms of- I feel like I'm at a stage where I'm now not sure if I, if I want a relationship just yet, or if I want to like live 2021, the rest of it, I just want to go through a nice hoe phase. I don't, I feel Why like- Why do you have to make that decision? Why can't you, uh, what, what I would suggest is just be open to whatever. You don't have to plan out your love life. You have to just be open to like, okay, I'm going to mingle. Yeah. And if I meet someone who makes me not want to- Mingle. Be a hoe for the rest of 2021, then then there we go. But if not, then, you know, being open- I feel like, yeah, I'm definitely open. And I, I feel like I want to- um, just things have been very heavy and I just want to like, yeah, I think I definitely am open. Like if I met the one tomorrow, um, then I definitely would not be like, oh my God, no, this is my hope phase. I can't. Mm. Um, I would definitely be open to it. But I think I just want to like have lots of fun really. <laughs> um, and yeah, go take it from there. Yeah. Um, on your Instagram lives, um, you like to sing, don't you, Lala? I do, but I don't think other people enjoy it very much. Who cares? No, exactly. They, watch it. I don't they care. must like it because they still watch. Well, a lot of people do turn off at that moment. I'll have like 350 watching, then I start singing it, goes straight down to like 280. <laughs> but that's fine. I don't. If you can't handle me at my worst, then you don't deserve me at my best. Exactly. Anyway, I do have a little rule, like if you know this song, could you also sing along loudly to it so that your own voice in your ears drowns out mine. But if they want to listen to it, that's up to them. It's fine. Like, it doesn't, I love, I can't sing, but I love singing as well. Exactly. I sing all the time. I don't fucking yeah. get. So I wanted to play a game. Okay. Are you going to make me I sing on your podcast? A hundred percent. I would, I wouldn't have said yes if you'd have warned me about this in advance. That's why I don't warn you. But now you forced me into it. I can't say no. Exactly. But that's a very dangerous message to give out to people. Consent. Con- <laughs> Seek consent. Consent to singing. Yes. Well, I know you know lo- loads of songs because, as I said, okay. you're always picking a song at random. Yeah. Um, so I want to put that to the test. We're going to play the song word association game. Are you are you familiar with this game? Are you oh, good at this? Go game? on, explain it just in case. So I'm going to give you a word. Yeah. And all you got to do is think of a song with that word in it and start singing oh, it. Oh, I think I'm good at this. Okay. Good. I thought you'd be good. You know, I really, I thought you'd be good at it. I've played this before and some people not so good, but I, I oh. believe in you. Yeah, and I believe in some, myself. I've got some easy words. Okay. Okay. okay so we're going to start off quite easy. So your first word is love. Love me tender, love me true, never let me go. Is that good enough? Elvis Presley. Perfect. Love a bit of Elvis. God, it's stressful when you say it and then all these millions of songs. Go on. And I've played this right on Clubhouse and they give you like five seconds and it's too much pressure, so I can't do it. But yeah. Right, your next word is sexy. Sexy, everything about you so sexy. sexy. You don't yeah. even know what you. All right, so yeah. uh, Liberty X. Yeah. Okay, your next word is heart. Every night in my dreams, I feel you. I feel you. 
That is how I. No, wait, is there a word on it? Uh, yeah, my heart will go on. Go yeah. 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 Getting worried then. Okay, your next word is down. Keep it. Oh, no, I don't want to sing this one. Sorry, it's R. Kelly. I'm not doing that. I was going to sing Keep It on a Down Low by R. Kelly, <laughs> but we're not endorsing that man anymore. Oh, uh, oh, God. I'm going down. I'm going down, baby. My whole you around, upside down. Okay. Mary J. Blige. Your next word is floor. What? Who sings about floors? Come on. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Do you want a clue? Do you want a clue? What? Is there only one song? I don't think yeah, there's only one work. song, but there's one that I can think of. It's got floor in the title. It's by a woman. Touch the floor. No, I just made that up. Sorry. Um, all right, go on. Give me a clue. Jennifer Lopez. What? She's got a song with floor in the title. Come on, you're gonna get it. You're gonna get it. Oh Come my on. god, no. Floor. Is that one? It's always one of her big songs, actually. I, mean, I don't like it, but it's a big song. I don't know it. Tonight we gonna be on the floor. Yeah, okay, all right. What's that song called? Tonight we're gonna hit the floor. Um, I think it's called On the Floor. Get on the floor. Oh yeah, yeah loads of dance floor, isn't there? Yeah. I should have thought about dance floors. I was just thinking about uh-huh. like kitchen floors. Mm. Now the word <laughs> "floor" has lost all meaning, and I can't. <laughs> you know what I mean, it sounds like a really weird word now. Right, your next word is me. Um, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me now that I can dance? Watch me now, okay? Good, good. I I think I've got a lot of skills. There's only like four more, right? Oh my god! Your next word is Phil. Phil, as in F E E L. Yeah, Phil. Phil. I make you feel my love. Adele. Okay, yeah. Your next word is move. Move. There's got to be loads with move. Move. Move on up. Move out. Take a good look around. What is that? Five. No, it's not right. I know it's okay. Yeah. Move it on anyway. It might not be five. It might be. When we're dying, a little blue or something. Something like that. Right, well, your next word is without. Oh, this one's easy. Um, no, I can't forget this evening. What's the word? With your faces on the ceiling. <laughs> and I guess that's just the way the story goes. I can't live. I'm living this without you. I'm sure it doesn't say when your face was on the ceiling. I just realised <laughs> I've never known what the lyric... What is that? I don't know the lyric. I don't know a lot of lyrics, to be fair. Right, your last word. Okay. Ride. Oh, ride the Panani. Ride oh, the pan. Oh no, is that too? What is that? <laughs> I just wasn't expecting. Keep going. Keep Sorry, going. no, we'll do a more cleaner one. 
right on time, right on time. Do you remember that song? Don't you take my love. I don't know that song at all. Probably because the way I'm singing it, you definitely do know it. Right on time, Black Box. Do, 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 do. I definitely don't know that song. <laughs> <It's a tune. laughs> Lola, when you're doing your Instagram and, and answering people's dilemmas and things like that, yeah. um, I'm just thinking, because I've got so many dilemmas I could actually message in. I might do that one day. You're welcome but to. Do you, what do you think about getting revenge on a partner, an ex-partner? Do you because I feel like I, I feel like you're gonna say to me, Yeah, just let the universe deal with them, blah blah blah. But and however, just you know, do you ever think it's okay to get revenge on someone? No, revenge is no? salty, revenge is not sweet. Um, I, I think that w- the thing about revenge is that I completely understand why you would feel the need to try to cause pain to somebody else in a way of saying like, fuck you, you cause this pain to me and I'm going to do it back to you. I get it. I understand the mentality. I think we all feel like that when we're in the initial throes of anger, like I want to hurt you. Um, But I believe that all it does is it keeps you in a cycle of negativity because what next? So you seek revenge on them. Is that the end? Or do they then suddenly go, well, no, I want revenge on her. Then they get revenge on you, hurt you back. And then what? You have to do it again. How long does this- they never know it was you. Well, what if, but you, but the universe will know, okay? <laughs> so it will come back to you. So I just feel like you keep yourself in a cycle of negativity, and and it's just not the answer. It's just not the answer. I think that if somebody has really hurt you, the strongest and best thing that you can do, and the best revenge that you can take is to to cut them out completely. Don't give them any more chances. Don't show them that they've hurt you. Walk away. Shut the door on it. Close it. Done. I, I just think it doesn't, there's nothing good that can come from it. We put our big girl pants on and be the bigger person. Yeah, exactly. Because I think, and often revenge backfires, you know. Um, if you're doing something intentionally to cause harm to someone else, even if, you know, you're incredibly justified because they did something awful, you then, you know, you become, you're, you no longer hold the, the moral power in that situation, you know. But what if it's small, small revenge, not like, you know. Like what? Like- not like get the beat up the like rail or put their number on grinder or something. No, that's a terrible idea. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible idea. I mean, this is not this is this is just a hypothetical question. I would you know, never but I can question. imagine what would happen next. That you put their number on grinder, they accidentally go and meet up with someone, they end up getting murdered, then it all comes out in court. How was his number on grinder? Oh, look, it was her. <laughs> then the entire world is like blaming you for their murder, you know. I know that's a bit extreme, but shit happens. Uh, Are you quite good at um, not so much dismissing people, but dismissing people in terms of when, say, you start talking to a guy, and because I this is what I'm learning to do now is kind of like I'm just like fucking off all all like I'm just. I always ask them, like, what are you looking for, blah, blah. Like, if, if we're not on the same page, I don't even bother, like, continue. Like, I, I don't like to ignore the red flags. How have you found that? How do you find that now? Like, when you're speaking to somebody new, do you find it easy to kind of be like, oh, no, this isn't, you know, this isn't what I'm going to just stop? Or do you like to give people a chance? No, so, so easy now. And because and, I've learned, you know, I speak to people now and I think to myself, 10 years ago, 
I would have continued to pursue this after that big red flag statement you've just made, after you telling me that you definitely don't want a relationship and me thinking, mm-hmm. oh, but maybe he will because I'm actually amazing, you know. Um, I've really learned to listen now and hear it and not just hear my own version and interpret it as what I want it to mean. Um, and now I just find it very, very easy. I think I've just learned that like by cutting it off now, even though that's a shame because he's really hot and I haven't matched anyone hot in ages, mm-hmm. um, I am preventing myself from just so much stress in the future by cutting it off at a stage where I don't have any feelings, where it doesn't mean anything, where we're not invested in each other, where it's not like, oh, fuck, I've got to go back to a single thing after five, six months or whatever. So, yeah, I find it very easy now. Because I realized, you know, again, it's like going back to the law of attraction thing. I was talking about money and stuff at the beginning. If you have that mindset of like abundance, like then it doesn't matter because you just know that there's just millions and millions of men and millions of brilliant men out there. And if you have that mindset of like, I I don't need to cling on to these ones that only half fit because, oh, there might not be another one coming along forever or in a really long time. Um, if you get out of that mentality and just be like, there's millions, there's, there, love is in abundance. Relationships are in abundance. Um, it gives you that confidence to just be like, no, next, move on. Mm. No, I definitely agree. And as I said, I've learned to do that. I'm just not, I'm just not ignoring the red flags anymore. Whereas before I 100% would, because you oh, think, me too. oh, it'll be fine. It'll be different. Blah, blah, blah. They might change. Yeah. No, they don't. Or they might want a baby one day, or they might want to get married, <laughs> you know, after 10 years of being with me. Yeah. Um, what do you think about monogamous relationships? Do you think they work? Do you think they can work? Do you think they're meant to be? I don't think that humans are naturally monogamous. I think that we're probably built to be with lots of different people. And I think if you look back on how people operated back, back, back in the day before industrialization and all of that, I think people were much more uh, polyamorous, actually, much more of a kind of community vibe. You know, Mm -hmm. everybody looked after everybody's children. You weren't so cemented into things. And then obviously the advancement of our you know industries came and religion came and all of these kind of things uh that uh led us into this idea of monogamy um you know and there's lots of stuff that you can read about the history of that I think the sex doctor talks about it in her book mind the gap uh and also in Sarah Pascoe's book animals she talks about uh that as well actually we're much more like animals um when it comes to mating and dating and and all of that kind of stuff. But uh, monogamy has become so ingrained in our society and so ingrained in our minds that, Mm. um, I mean, polyamory really works for some people. Um, Mm. If you can break free of the, the impact that the, you know, that our conditioning has had on us, I, monogamy only can work for me because I have been conditioned to feel insanely jealous if a man that I'm with gives any attention to another woman. Um, But perhaps if I hadn't had all of that social conditioning and I was born 900 years ago, I wouldn't feel like that because it's not necessarily my natural feeling that's making me feel jealous. It's because I've been told monogamy is the only thing. 
And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to break free of that, no matter how how much work I do. Not not least because I'm a bit paranoid about sexually transmitted infections and things like that. I also feel like if I'm sleeping with someone who's sleeping with some or, or someone else or other people, I always get BV and stuff like that. So I'm very much like a one man woman, and I want to be the only woman. Um, but whether I think that that's actually right and natural, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think it is. And I wish that I was able to, to do polyamory because I think that actually, if you can get that right, it, uh, it is beneficial and is, is good for us as humans. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm, um, I'm really like, I've been thinking about recently. And I think that for me, I think if I was to get married to somebody, I definitely would explore like going to swingers parties and things like that, maybe later on in the relationship. I think that, I don't know, like, I just, yeah, I feel like we're humans and we are going to be attracted to other people. And I feel like rather than looking at that as such like a, a negative thing, which some, you know, some people do. Yeah. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of like, okay, just because you're with one person doesn't mean that you don't still want somebody else. Yeah. And so rather than like suppressing those feelings, why not explore them, live life and have fun? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I totally, you know, I, I, I as I say, maybe as I grow and I become more confident in myself and more self-assured, I, I, I you know, it would be amazing to achieve a relationship where it's like, actually... I do fancy fucking this other guy and I'm totally all right with you exploring that. And actually that really strengthens what we have together um, rather than it being a situation of you have to go off and cheat if you have physical desires for someone else. But I think I'm not, I'm, de- I'm definitely not there yet. I'm absolutely um, into monogamy, but, but like I say, I can, I can really see the benefits of ethical non-monogamy. Yeah, no, 100%. Talk to me a little bit about STIs. I saw a few weeks ago on your Instagram, you was talking about herpes. Um, I think like the myths and things like that about it, because um, we all have these ideas in our heads. I mean, I, I have a friend and she works for a sexual health clinic and she tells me um, loads of different um, stories. And I think for me, I did an episode a while back about um, thrush, which is not an STI. STI but you know what I mean um and kind of like just women's health in general like sexual health and especially coming from someone like me who has a disability I think we spoke about this a bit on your podcast um with Kathy but um just that kind of whole wanting to be asexually active and you know be safe and sometimes accessing like sexual health clinics is an absolute nightmare um the judgment the kind of like feeling the them like feeling sorry for you are like wondering if you're okay and it's like yes I just want to have sex and I want to be safe that's why I'm here um so yeah talk to me a little bit about that I want you to talk to me about that is that because that's really interesting to me is that so you, you the way that they treat you when you go to the sexual health clinic is they, they don't see beyond your disability that becomes yeah. the focus of of that's really shit yeah I actually went to an STI clinic I think earlier this year um 
because where, where I live now, um, I went to a new one. So I've never been there before. So I was really nervous because I was like, oh my God, like my experience in the past has been terrible. This one's going to be terrible. But it was actually really good. Like they they was actually really nice. But up until now, I'm, I'm 26, nearly 27. And up until now, every time I've been to one, it's been very awkward. Um, and yeah, I've had literally like doctors um, ask me like, are you okay? Like, is in, and it was kind of like, they was, assuming that I was sexually active um but they was really concerned like are you are you all right with that not that I'm this fucking sexual being that I am do you know what I mean they was very much surprised by it and then that put me off going back and it, and, it, and I know it puts a lot of my blind friends off going to get tested in the first place also I got sent a home test kit once could have mm. fucking see none of that shit I don't know what the fuck that was no it was no I don't read braille I read um large print mm -hmm. but it was like all these little bits and I was like what the fuck do I do with that what do I do with that and the person I spoke to on the phone the nurse she was very dismissive she didn't even want to send me a kit I literally had to like beg her she didn't want to send me a kit so I didn't feel comfortable to call her back and be like oh I don't know what this thing is this thing is because mm -hmm. somebody you know what I mean like talk me through it um yeah it's it's very shitty but I try like on my podcast and through talking to my friends I try to encourage them to make sure they get themselves tested um, and not let those experiences put them off because it's very important to know what's going on with your body but also you've you've identified I mean I'm not sure if there's anyone campaigning or working on this at the moment but you've identified a massive gap in provision of services for disabled people you know that 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 these the people need to be trained. People need to. I mean, it's madness to me. I, it was so revelatory to me when you and Kathy came on the podcast because it's just all of these ways in which, to me, I, you know, when I hear stories like this, I feel like this is very nineteen fifties. You know, what I mean, like I feel like professionals should have come so much further now. Like we know that disabled people have fabulous sex we understand that there's barriers but the the barrier should not be the professional who is in front of you who should be who's solely there to enable you to have safe sex you know and those attitudes need to be out um and i find it really worrying and if, if there is nobody who's actually enforcing this kind of training on on doctors and sexual health professionals then there really needs to be because you should be having an a, a, an identical experience to me when you go for your checkup. Um, yeah. And I, I find that really, really worrying and upsetting. Uh, and, you know, like, like, like we've discussed before, there is obviously a number of barriers uh, and hurdles to, to get over when, when you're disabled and dating, but your experience with professionals shouldn't be one. Um, I, I find, I find it makes me really angry. I think we should look up whether there is anybody doing anything in that field. And if not, we should do something about it. Yeah, no, definitely we should. And also I think it feeds into like even accessing contraception and things like that, because some contraceptions you need to go back to the clinic or the doctors to get, you know, every three months or whatever. Again, accessing that can be very difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, there's a lot around that that is kind of like a bit of a gray area. Um, but I really just want, all my disabled friends to just be as safe as possible and yeah we need that space to feel safe and open for us as well and to, um, to feel like sexual adults with 
authority and autonomy over your own body. And I think possibly what might have been happening, you know, it's just coming to my head that maybe when they're having disability training, things are being conflated in terms of dis physical disabilities and learning disabilities. Now, of course, if somebody comes to you and you're a professional in social work or in the NHS and they have um, learning disabilities, then you do have to ask more questions, more sa than safeguarding questions, because somebody with learning difficulties is likely to be more vulnerable to grooming, sexual exploitation, um, you know, not necessarily making um, the safest decisions about who who they allow into their into their lives. Um, they can miss social cues, particularly people with autism and things like that. But that's completely different to to having a physical disability. You know, your 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 vision is impaired, but yes, you, you know, your capacity and and your intelligence and, and all of that isn't. And so I'm wondering whether they're their training around disabilities is just all one thing. And, yeah, and yeah. so they've got it into their minds, like, oh, this, this blind woman's come along. Let's do the same thing that we do if somebody comes along who's got a learning disability. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. is not an excuse for it in any way, um, but perhaps might be one of the reasons behind it. Sorry, this is like it turned into a little bugbear for me now. When I hear these <laughs> kind of injustices, I'm like, right, what? let's do something right now. No, but we can. No, we, we definitely can. And, I, and I'm and i a strong believer in, as I say, like my experience and people that I know, our experiences are very valid and they're very real. And so there's definitely stuff that we can do um, around that to make I think people we should start some talk aware. to me after this. And because I, I, Dr. Naomi Sutton, who is from Eford's uh, sex clinic she's absolutely amazing she's a sexual health doctor and I think she'd be really interested to hear about this and would maybe be a good person to talk to to get the ball rolling around how we can get better information out to practitioners 100% let's do it let's do it Lala I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, when you speak on your page um, and when you write as well your columns how do you deal with any backlash? Do you get much backlash? And how do you deal with that? Oh, I get backlash on everything. I get backlash. <laughs> At least one person, I get backlash on everything. And it's just stupid things. Like the other day, I grew up in North London, so I've got a load of Greek and Cypriot friends. So I knew it was Greek Easter. So I posted up on my page, like, happy Greek Easter to all my... Greek Cypriot friends celebrating today and I got people having a go at me like it's not just Greek Easter it's Russian Easter too it's Orthodox oh. Christian Easter in many different countries it's like oh okay I'm sorry I didn't know like I didn't I'm not trying to offend or leave out other religions or other people from other regions it's all I knew so I so I said you know and mm -hmm. I, I get it with everything you know I do the ick stories and um, I always have to brace myself for the ick stories because obviously they're, you know, they're silly. The ick is when you get put off um, often for a very irrational reason. It can be the fact that he just started humming randomly, you know, something that would never put you off with one person, but it triggers you with this person and you just can't take them seriously. Even the sound of their breathing starts to annoy you. And because the ick is so silly and unwanted, but, but, so many of us experience it. I like to make light of it. And I, uh, when people send in their ick stories, I usually respond with a very sarcastic comment, like, God, he's a psych, you know, somebody will say something like, he dropped his glove and I just couldn't look at him the same again. And I'll be like, fucking psychopath. Um, 
and, and then people will start messaging me like this is very offensive to psychopaths you know psychopaths deserve love too how would they feel if they read this and it's like not being funny Lala but you don't want to offend a psychopath do you this is true but to be honest they won't they wouldn't care <laughs> they're not going to be sitting there going this is deeply offensive they're a psychopath they've got no feelings you know um so so it's everything from I this wasn't even an ad. I got this um, Veet shaving oil, which was absolutely great. I really recommend it because when you shave with it, your legs just get like super buff. Um, I've never shaved my legs in my life. Haven't you? I don't have any hair there. You, you're so lucky. I mean, body hair is is for normal, for adults. You don't, you shouldn't have to shave your legs. I do. I prefer being shaved, hairless, whatever. But it's it really is a personal choice. But I rec- innocently recommended this shaving oil and then I got attacked by people who were like, Veet tests on animals. And then when I looked it up, Veet doesn't actually test on animals. But they were like, but they do in their products in China. And it's just like, I can't, I, can't, I just can't, I can't cope with this. So yeah, backlash on, on everything. But how, think, did it, how did it make you feel? Um, you know, sometimes I appreciate it. But I never appreciate it if it's backlash. I do, you know what it is? It's like, for example, if you... Or, or somebody who I have built a relationship with, which there are a lot of people, you know, I have got a lot of people um, who, who are, or who watch my stories all the time, who I have de- formed relationships with or developed bonds with or already had existing relationships with. And they come from such a wide group, you know, subsection, you know, I've got trans women, I've got trans men, I've got black disabled women, I've got Chinese friends, I've got, you know, I've got people from such a cross section of society intersection, that if I put something up, and you came to me, and you went, that's actually, I think you need to take that down, I realise it's a joke, but you're off the mark there. And what you've said is actually really offensive to, to blind people. I'd take it down in a second and I would do an apology and I'd say, you know what? I missed the mark. I was off. I didn't realize. But when people are coming to me who've never spoken to me in their entire lives before, they've never once said, I really appreciate your page or whatever. And the first thing they do is come in my inbox and they're like, what you've said is offensive. And they do it in a really aggressive way. I'm not going to listen. It just gets my back up. Um, because you haven't said it in a, in a productive way. You haven't shown me that you're saying this because you um, are, are trying to appreciate and support my work and trying to guide me to make, you know? So, mm-hmm. and also some of the things I just don't agree, you know? So, so, so yeah, so, so it kind of makes me feel a bit frustrated, but I very much appreciate it if I'm pulled up by people who I know have got my back, who've supported yeah. me who's been my friend, then I will trust you and I will listen to you and I will take it down. If I don't know you from Adam, I'll probably dig my heels in further and it'll make me want to be more offensive. Mm. I know that's very immature, um, but, you know, and I wouldn't intentionally offend anybody in that way, but it just makes me want to dig my heels in and just be like, fuck off, you Mm. know? And it's hard, isn't it, when you know your heart and you know that it's not coming from a, a mean place. Yeah. And so, yes, we all make mistakes. And, and as you said, like if someone that you knew asked you to take something down, then you would. But it's kind of a case of it's, sometimes I feel like we we can't have our or show, we can't show our real personalities sometimes because it's yeah. like we're so worried about offending because I never want to offend anyone either. And so now 
as my podcast has been growing and growing, I kind of like, I'm, I'm more conscious about what I'm saying and things like that. Um, yeah. but I think if you're open and willing to learn and change, then it's fine. I'm just going to be me. I'm not, I'm far from perfect and I may make mistakes, but I'm never, you know, like my, my intention is never to hurt anybody. And I think that's the important thing. I've been following Africa Brooke, who is amazing. Um, she wrote a blog all about how she was cancelling her subscription to Woke Culture and I've been following a lot of her um, podcasts and stuff since. And she really resonates with me because she talks a lot about how it's actually like the left wing, the left are eating the left now. We have become so hypersensitive and so forced into this situation of, you said something offensive, mm. you know, but actually who is that? Is, is that offensive or are you just upset by, by that? And a lot of that is dependent on intent. You know, I could make a joke, which I do often off the back of the ick stories and whatever uh, and and if the intent of that you know sometimes those things can get lost you know sometimes your intent can be actually I'm I'm taking the piss out of racists or abusers or what you know I'm pointing the finger at that in a kind of sarcastic way but if somebody reads that as you're joking about racism you know then then it can be or you're joking about abuse um then then you know, pe- people tend to forget, actually, no, that's, that, that wasn't the intent. And, it, and if you've become offended by that, then sit with that and, and either unfollow or walk away. But you can't control everything that everybody else says. And, mm. and if your personal offense is very different to somebody, for example, inciting racial hatred or in, so encouraging abuse or, you know, that it's, it's um, and I There's think kind of, that nuance has got lost. That nuance has got lost. And left-wing people are very much like, you used the wrong pronoun, which you should never use the wrong pronoun. You've done it, you know, you are cancelled. Um, when actually we should be being much kinder to each other and be fostering an environment where people can learn and grow and, and be willing to make mistakes and not be scared of that because the consequence of saying a wrong word shouldn't be your whole fucking career is over. We, mm-hmm. You know, and actually we're not doing ourselves any favors because I think we just strengthen the right wing we strengthen fascism because we're all infighting with each other over using the wrong words rather than being you know having solidarity because actually we're all here for the same goal which is for Mm -hmm. everybody to just be happy and live good you know Mm -hmm. speaking of living happy um talk to me about your book Uh, um it's been very stressful because I wrote the book in lockdown three um, and I'm just coming to the end of it now. Um, I'm really excited for people to read it. I really hope that it, it it's the book that I wish that I'd had before I stumbled back into internet dating after a long-term relationship with my son's dad. I, I, I came back into the single scene as a single mum for the first time in my life. And also things had changed drastically from, you know, I got into a relationship with him when I was 20, 24. And then I was nearly 30 when I started dating again. And in that time, Tinder had appeared, plenty of fish had appeared and, and things had changed significantly. So I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't understand about catfishing. I didn't understand about all these men who just wanted casual sex, but pretend that they did it. You know, I didn't Mm -hmm. understand any of it. Um, And even though I was at work helping people to leave these abusive relationships and helping people to break patterns and cycles, I was going home and 
begging these men to take me more seriously or to give me their time or whatever mm-hmm. uh, and I just made mistake after mistake after mistake and um and then obviously I started this page and the book is kind of like the culmination of all of that so I've picked out a few of my kind of like best captions the ones that have really resonated with people that, that have you know I've had the most messages about and I've kind of really expanded on those but I've mm-hmm. I've put it out in a kind of order of this this is the kind of so I've so I've done it in a kind of so it starts off about misogyny because I never realized how much misogyny has an impact on the way that we are treated by men mm-hmm. um I never made that link you know um so so it's that and then it's about being really happy with being single uh and then the next chapter is about doing the work on yourself working out why you keep repeating those patterns and are you waving any red flags uh then it goes into how to spot the different fuck boy types what the pink and red flags are mm-hmm. um and then it goes into like how do you meet people what are the kind of things you might run into online then what happens if you actually do get to the dating stage then there's a whole big chapter about sex and not compromising ourselves and not having casual sex if we can't handle it. Then there's a whole chapter about dangers, like the, you know, dating dangers, which include non-consensual choking, rape, spike drinks, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then it ends with like, this is how you spot a really great guy. And this is how you, you know, get over heartache and be ready to jump back in when you need to. So, so it's like, if you've been following, I think you're going to love it. I hope you're going to love it. If you've been following my page, it will be like, there's a lot of people say to me, I wish I had, you know, a lot of people message me and they're like, where's this caption on that? Where's this caption on that? So instead of having to scroll through my page, when you're in a time of need, you're Mm -hmm. just going to be able to go, okay, here's the bit on ghosting. Oh yeah. Here's the bit on the ick or whatever. So it's just there for you, like a guide. So it's like my page on paper. Most importantly, where is my quote? because that's what everyone's going to be looking for. Your quote is in chapter five. It's in the section about dating apps. So what I'm talking about is how dating apps can be really brutal uh, and we can often internalise quite a lot of shit around, you know, rejections or they can make awful comments like fetishising type type comments about our bodies or whatever. And then there's a quote in there from you, which is just about like, you know, because so so I go on to say, you know, dating is brutal. Um, and then you add in all these other factors, like being a single parent or being disabled, you know, that adds another layer of hurdles to, to get through. And so Joy says, own your disability, um, you know, feel good about it and, and, and go out there proudly. And if that puts them off, they can fuck off anyway, you know? So yeah, there's a little quote in there from you and Kathy. <laughs> and I said, and you're in the acknowledgements as well. Oh, oh, oh. Um, is there going to be an audio book version? Of course there is with my beautiful voice. There won't be any singing though, unfortunately. Oh, shit. I know. I know. It's okay, Maybe we'll just watch your Instagram lives for that. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When, will... when is the book out? It's out on February the 10th, four days before Valentine's Day. So if you're sitting there contemplating why you're still single again for another Valentine's, this is going to be the book for you. Mm-hmm. Does the book have a title? Block, delete, move on. Nice. Okay. I think, yeah, I think that's definitely a book I'm going to need to listen to 100%. I think, yeah. I'm gonna, I, think I need it in my life. Yeah. Um, 
does it feel different now being an author? Do you enjoy have you have you enjoyed the process of writing a book? No, not even <laughs> remotely whatsoever. I found it very, very difficult. I don't think the author life is for me. Although I probably would write another book in the future now that I've kind of got my head around it a bit and and what you're supposed to do. But no, I've I've found it a massive struggle. I think part of that is because I'm used to writing captions and I'm used to working on Instagram where it's like you know if I deeply regret something that I've written I can just go back and delete it or edit it whereas here this is like a permanent thing I can never go back and delete it so I feel like under this intense pressure to get it absolutely right um and like the kind of stuff that you were saying before about backlash and stuff it's very difficult to write without having all those people in your head so you know I'll be writing a statement and then I'll be thinking but then the body hair community are going to come for you and so then I feel like I have to say but also if you don't like eating chicken that's okay you know what I mean I don't feel like I can make a joke like well he throws his chicken in the wind or whatever without going but also vegans do also you know what I mean yeah Yeah. everything has got to be caveated to make sure that I'm not offending anyone and make sure that I'm including everyone and I think that that kind of limits your writing as much as I want my writing to be completely exclu- inclusive and for everybody be, to be able to, to, to relate to it, I feel like the internet kind of fucks you up in a way because it puts you under this pressure to just literally be inclusive of every, you know, it, what about somebody who doesn't have any toenails? You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. it becomes really um, difficult and a lot of pressure to try to include everyone and and whilst I want to do that it does it yeah it's 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 limiting yeah no I I totally agree I feel like it's so hard yeah no I feel like it's so hard but I also feel like the people that get that give you backlash and say that you're not being inclusive for this group or that group they nine times out of ten they are also not being inclusive to everybody they might think that they are but they're not um it's nearly always white women white women with no disabilities always every and they're not even so much Karens because they would be white women coming to me saying well that was racist and it's like that wasn't racist saying that someone's black is not racist you know I mean you know so they're they're actually not even Karens because they're trying their best to be you know the the word woke is is used in the wrong term the woke so I don't like to use it but they're trying their best to be that non-Karen but actually you're just chatting shit just go away yeah yeah, some people are too woke for their own good. Oh, so yeah. I am. Lala, before we, before we finish up, tell me, tell the listeners, what is next for you? Obviously, we've got the book coming out in February, February the 4th. But other than the book and obviously continuing with what you're doing now, what does the future hold for Lala? I don't know. I've never been a future type person as you can probably tell, because I've got my funeral plans that I made when I was 18, because I was just convinced that I was going to die and there was no future for me, which obviously didn't come true. Um, but I'm never, I, it's never been that. I've never been that person who's like, right, my strategy is this and this is how I'm going to achieve it. I've always been somebody who's just like, okay, let me just see what's going on. And then if a great idea comes, then I'll go with that. So, right. So that's what you're putting out into the universe that you just want to take it like, one day at a time, yeah, things, 
things will come to me is 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 how I see it I'm, I'm not a great strategist I'm not very tactical I even though I'm learning different things about money now from reading that book that I would recommend it to you I've I've never been that person to be like chasing getting rich or trying mm. to get money or trying to think about how I can maximize my revenue I've never been that person so so I haven't really got any plans at the moment I'm just like let's see how the book goes maybe could do another book if there is room for it um mm-hmm. I want to start focusing more on my podcast I haven't recorded a podcast for about six months because of lockdown uh because I do them in a studio I'm not very good at the whole technical stuff at home so I might focus on on making my podcast a bit more regular trying to get like some really good guests on there but but no I'm, I'll just see where the wind takes me mm. and just for the record who's been your favorite guest on your podcast uh, there was this chick called Joy who came oh. on one time. Oh, really? Yeah, man. <laughs> Might have heard of her. She sounds really lovely. Oh, she was amazing. Fun. Yeah, she, she was the best. So, Lala, um, everyone that comes on my podcast, I've been doing this from the beginning. Um, I don't ask me why, but I've been doing this from the beginning. Everyone that comes on to say thank you for giving me your time and having a chat with me. I like to get everybody a gift. Oh. So... I've got you a gift and I like to think about these gifts as well and I was speaking about this with my friend Dee because I also put her onto your podcast and she loves it as well um and I was like well I don't know what to get Lala I was like I know she goes to the gym so I was thinking maybe like a personalized water bottle because you know what I mean working out you're gonna get thirsty but then that was gonna take too long to come then she was like oh what about sweatbands I was like who wears sweatbands you just do any does anybody wear sweatbands in the gym um not in my gym no exactly so I'm glad I didn't get you fucking back. <laughs> imagine you would have been like oh thanks 1980s Jane Fonda style workout gear so although you um you, you you're saying that you don't plan too far ahead I I saw this and I thought I've got to get this for you because obviously the book's coming out next year. I feel like you're going to be booked and busy, okay? I'm putting that out there into the universe. So if you're going to be booked and busy, you're going to need a diary. So I've got oh. you this diary, and it says, oh, lady. I love it so much. Yes. So that's the first thing. Oh, I need that. Good, good. Everyone needs a diary. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I just write my stuff on my phone, but you sighted people can be jotting down. Do you know what I mean? Jot, jot, jot. Love it. And the last thing I've got you, because I know that obviously the majority of people on your Instagram and things like that, they've never seen your face, but I've seen your face. And I know that you are beautiful. So I've got you a perfume called Beautiful. Oh, you're so bloody cute, man. Thank you. That will be coming to you. And you need to shame, man. I'm going to have to start doing this for my podcast guest. (laughs) I'm just like, here, have a key ring. I've still got that key ring. Have you? Key. You are yeah. a spectacular buffing, so you need it. And if it ever like it. dies or drops off, let me know. I'll, I'll make sure you get another one. And actually, wait, hold on. Can you see my wall there? There's your card that you gave me. Oh. Can you see it? Spectacular buffing card. I can see it. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. Well, I keep everything. Good. I definitely keep everything. Lola, tell everybody where they can find you, your Instagram, Twitter. Uh, I own uh, Instagram is the only place I do have a Twitter and a Facebook but I just don't use them I've just got them so that I can look at other people's stuff if I need to but yeah literally Instagram at la 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 let me explain and you can pre-order my book now on Amazon if you go to if, if you go to my story highlights 
the book block delete move on those swipe up links for wherever you're at whichever country you're at doesn't have to be amazon either there's waterstones blackwells all sorts big book deal yeah yeah <laughs> i look forward to reading it and also guys check out lala's podcast la 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 let me explain that's on spotify apple podcast everything it is yeah really good listen lala thank you so much for joining me oh, i love you joy i really really do and uh, you'll have to come to the book launch oh book book launch i'm there yeah I'm you there. better be i'm there oh. um Guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joy's World, the podcast. Uh, make sure you follow your dreams and follow me on Instagram at Joy's World, the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at JoyXOXO. Email me if you're sexy, joyspodcast <laughs> at hotmail.com. Remember to stay happy and live your best life always. Mwah. Email me if you're sexy too. <laughs> <laughs>